This is The Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome to the Friday edition of The Bullpen yeah. here on 1027 ESPN. Pre-college football. We made it. Bullpen is what We made business. it. We have made it. Tomorrow is Longhorn Football Day. Actually, hours away from the kickoff of the Longhorn, new Longhorn season. I mean, we've already had college football so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... But I'm the, talking about the, the, the season that counts the here real in Austin. Thing the season tomorrow. that counts here in Austin. Oh, my gosh. Uh, for most people, of course, is the uh, Texas Longhorns. Yes. Uh, of course, the kickoff tomorrow, 7 o'clock. And, uh, I heard they're going to win big. Well, I, I did hear about that. Yeah, that, that's, that's the a line that's a word again. around the campfire. <laughs> is uh, anywhere between 37.5 and 38.5 point favorites, depending on who it is you're asking. Crazy. Uh, either way, I think it's. Pretty safe to say that the Vegas odds are are in are in the uh, are in favor the Longhorns' long favor. Yes. Uh, Good afternoon, sir. How I was are just you? about to say. Uh, anyway, uh, how are you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm good. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. I'm with you. We're here for the people. Let's do this. Friday, yeah. freaking Luya. You got it. Is it, I was. You know, I was just about to ask you too. Uh, I was, we were walking in the studio here, and I was thinking, what is that thing that Beto says all the time? Friday, Louie. And I knew I knew it was something like that. I knew it wasn't Friday. No, which it's, which it's is Friday. That's Friday is is more of fry lame yeah. compared to the fry, Friday Louie. Friday. That's much better. Lucia. That's much much better. Yeah. You uh gonna be doing anything special for this uh for kickoff tomorrow? Watch the game. Um no. The game's on at seven, right? The game is on at seven. Seven. Yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah, that gives me a couple hours to watch before. Uh, my football game starts at 9.20 because oh, the West Coast time in Texas is always an enjoyable time. So so you're uh, you're talking <laughs> about the, the Huskies? Huskies, The yeah. Huskies tomorrow, and who are they yeah. playing? Kent State. Kent, Kent State? Kent okay. State, yeah. Okay. It, it shouldn't – I don't know what this team is going to be like. It's They're supposed to be pretty decent, so I don't know. We'll see. When we say this team, you're talking about Huskies. your Huskies? Yeah. And we have a whole we have a whole new quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. I think he's a transfer from like Indiana. Okay, never heard of him, but and he won the starting job over five star Sam Heward and third year player Dylan Moore or Dylan Morris. Thank you. Okay, uh, do you know anything about this Kent State team? I know they're not very good. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think we're favored by. I don't think they're favored by forty, but I I would expect them to win this game. I would but. say in other news, water is wet. Amen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, I don't know. Maybe Kent State's better. Maybe they'll win. Well, before we we hop too deep into uh, uh, Longhorn talk, I did want to mention just real quick uh, some news out of the injury, uh, little injury news. Uh, of course, uh, despite the season-ending injuries, of course, uh, we've reported to Isaiah Nair and, and Junior, Junior Angelau. Yeah, uh, Longhorns are going to be relatively healthy for the season opener tomorrow against Louisiana Monroe, but. Another key player that the Horns are going to be without against the Warhawks is junior defensive lineman Alfred Collins, uh, set to miss the game t- tomorrow, according to uh, Coach Steve Sarkeesian. Shoot, uh, Collins was able; he, he was able to practice though, uh, but it, it just looks like precautionary. Yeah, um, game one. I, I think so. I mean, he's expected to be you know pretty major impact player for Texas, predicted to be a potential All Big Twelve performer as well uh, by multiple publications. I think it's a loss, but it's not the worst. Thing doesn't hurt, and it doesn't much. sound like. I mean, I, I'd be willing to bet you by week two, he's yeah, gonna be back. He'll be ready for Alabama. You got to be. ready Maybe for some Alabama. of these guys are like, "I'm hurt. Maybe we don't really need my, me this game." Yeah, let's save it for next week. Yeah, not that anyone's looking ahead, right? No, no, nobody no, no. looks ahead. Obviously, Louisiana Lafayette Warhacks are first. 
Uh, Monroe. 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 What'd I say? Lafayette. Dang it. That's all right. It's very confusing. That's all right. There's no. very many. There's a lot of those. Certain parts you get into Louisiana, certain parts you're just <laughs> in Louisiana, you know? There's one in California, too. I don't know. A Lafayette? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Now, Lafayette was the uh, was the team that Texas played, I believe, uh, to kick off their championship season in 2005. Okay. I'm pretty sure that was who they played. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, Alfred Collins, for his career, he's got uh, 48 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, interception, four pass deflections, uh, force fumble in 22 games. And he's had a had a pretty good, uh, pretty good, That's pretty, pretty good career, career so yeah. far at the 40 yeah. Acres. Uh, but the rest of the roster probably going to be at 100% tomorrow. I mean, uh, if you're a D lineman with an interception, you're clearly doing something right, my yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are tough to come by for those guys. Definitely doesn't sound like he's uh, too terribly injured, but yeah. of course. We'll, we'll probably see him next week just yeah. fine and dandy. Sure would love to have Isaiah and Aaron Jr. Angelow, though, not hurt out for the season. Yeah, well. That look, does hurt. Those do hurt. Next man up. Next man up. You know up the drill. Go. That's how it works. So, speaking of the Texas Longhorns and the Big 12 and, to some degree, the Oklahoma Sooners, mm-hmm. uh, both, of course, you know, as we all know, are slated to leave the Big 12 and join the SEC very soon in the coming years. Uh, but their departure may be arriving a little sooner than some people might might. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so, you know, as we talked about a little bit yesterday, there are now active discussions for the Longhorns and Sooners uh, to leave the Big 12 uh, as the conference engages in TV networks, uh, with TV networks, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, you know, for new media rights deal. Uh, two programs slated to join the SEC July 1st of 2025. On Wednesday, it was announced the Big 12 would soon enter negotiations with its current media partners, ESPN and Fox. And the Big 12 contract set to expire in 2025, thus playing a factor as to why Texas and Oklahoma are set to remain in the conference. Uh, according to CBS Sports, ESPN and Fox are expected to meet face-to-face with Big 12 in the next several weeks. Conference also set to expand come July 1st of next year uh, with the additions of BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. Uh, the biggest factor keeping Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12, though, are financial penalties. Each school would be, they'd have to pay, uh, pay to leave early. And this bo- month, both programs would uh, pay $80 million in exit fees to leave in 2025. I think it's worth it. Any earlier departure would also increase that number depending on the remaining years left on the contract. But I think they can afford it. I, I don't have any doubt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can afford it. That. They'll be just fine. No doubt. Now, should Texas and Oklahoma elect to leave the Big 12 early, this could hurt the conference's chances of uh, adding a lucrative contact with either Fox or ESPN. Uh, two schools are the highest-selling programs in terms of ratings for the conference. Uh, their departure would hamper all negotiations regarding record-setting numbers. But uh, Big 12 Commissioner Brett, uh, Brett Yormark has uh, been pretty open with his thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma leaving the conference early. He says it's a win-win scenario for all parties. Uh, in his scenario, Big 12 would likely ask for the current $80 million that it's owed for, uh, for the exit of the two schools entering the next offseason. Uh, but according to multiple reports, Oklahoma and Texas actually have no interest in paying to leave early. As of today, both as of, programs as of today. still say they intend yeah, yeah, because to uh, they finish don't have out all their, their current contracts. They don't have all their ducks in a row yet, but they will. But who knows? I I think both schools, no matter what they may say, are itching to get out of the Big Twelve. Yeah, absolutely. For uh, anybody wants for a lot of anybody reasons. who's on their way to the SEC would like to get there yes, as soon today. as possible. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I mean, for a lot of reasons, obviously to to play against the the biggest of the big dogs. I think for for UT, there's also that factor of getting to play A and M once again. There's a lot more money over there in the SEC. I think to be made, just more. More exposure. The Texas Longhorns are a massive program as it is. Yeah. That could only make them bigger. I uh, mean, that's the king division. Yeah. Honestly, it's the top division. Yeah. Everybody who's anybody wants to be a part of the SEC or play against them because, you know, that is your, uh, 
way of showing where you're at as a team yeah. because you're playing against the best. These are NFL caliber players. That's absolutely correct. So you go up against them and you put up a good fight, you're going to feel good about yourself, yeah. win or lose. Funny how it works that way. And I mean, it's already s- such a stacked uh, conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, already this, this would this would only solidify that. And uh, I can't wait. It's going to be cool. I mean, it, it is going to be fun to watch. The problem with it is that that you know that n- no other conference is really going to compete for any sort of national championship ever. Uh, that's why they <laughs> need to. But that's I mean, but there's there's the, the another reason for expanding because expanding you're putting college football playoffs yeah. all of the same teams in one conference. Yeah. So that doesn't bode well for the college playoffs. Gee, I wonder why they're getting ahead of of the expansions. The college football committee. Yeah. I wonder if they think that these teams are going to be switching earlier than they thought. You know, because you got USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. That's supposed to be in a couple of years. That could be next year, if all if right. everything works out. And that could also include Oregon and Washington. Right. So, yeah, you wonder why the college football playoff committee is all of a sudden thinking, well, maybe we should start talking about expansion now yeah. because all these teams are going to be in the same conference. Not all of them will have a chance to get to the to the four team playoff. Because they're all going to beat up on each other, so I think odds are pretty good that uh, no matter who else makes it to a, a college football playoff, expanded or otherwise, the national champion will come out of the SEC almost most likely every single most year, likely. almost every single year, unless they expand. I think if they expand, you you may see a team you wouldn't expect make it to the top. Yeah, and we're talking about how how stacked the SEC already is. So Alabama's kicking off their campaign Saturday, right? And they're mm-hmm. one of the biggest preseason national title favorites in the past 20 years. 41-point favorite over Utah State on Saturday. Uh, expected to be favored. See, that by, feels legit. That feels <laughs> legit, and they're expected to be uh, favored by double digits in every single game this season. Yeah. Only, only 14 teams since 1978 have been favored by double digits in every regular season game. Only 14 teams ever. It's or, funny. I mean, since 1978, ever, since 1978. Uh Ohio State, second favorite uh, this year, followed by Georgia. But, I mean, once again, you know, Alabama, Georgia over there. Same things. Notre Dame, Ohio State, all that. Yeah. All the same. Yeah. I mean, if you're tired of the SEC, then you definitely don't want to see them going over there. (laughs) No, but it'll be fun to watch them beat up on each other then. I think so. Yeah. We'll definitely make some good matchups. Because adding Oklahoma and Texas is definitely going to – Hurt some teams. Hopefully, building some some new good new rivalries. rivalries too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe the, we will have a Texas Alabama rivalry. Better so, than Texas A and M Alabama. Now, uh, uh, Texas is going to want to continue this momentum that it started to build under Coach Sarkeesian uh, uh, to uh, this recruiting momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, building up this really great talent, and you know. Already, uh, you know, kind of recruits that were once thought to be unattainable here at, at UT are now kind of beginning to take a hard look at kind of the makings of what Coach Sark's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, could really result in in a top five class when all the dust settles next year. Uh, for, for next I feel like they're already pretty close I, to that I, I now. Would, I would think so yeah. as well. Uh, one of Texas' top remaining football targets, Longview High School wide receiver Jalen Hale. He's closing in on a verbal commitment. Uh, the SI 99 prospect who says he is uh, down to Texas, A&M, Alabama, and Georgia. Oh, man. Maybe thinking about oh, cutting man. the list down to uh, just two, uh, possibly, very, very soon. Yeah. Uh, on three's Chad Simmons says the two teams emerging at the forefront of the race 
uh, are the, the two he's set to visit next, Alabama and Texas. Okay. So he's going to be in Tuscaloosa this weekend, and then uh, I believe here when Alabama come, uh, you know, comes to play Texas. Imagine not wanting to come to Texas to play with Arch Manning or Quinn Ewers. Couldn't be me. Kind of hard or to Steve imagine. Sarkeesian. Kind of hard to imagine. Honestly, he now he says he's going to make a he's going to make his commitment public on September. And you 21st. get to be in Austin right? compared to Tuscaloosa. Now I would say that right there is the <laughs> biggest reason that you wouldn't want yeah. to go to Alabama. My guess is he's going to go to Alabama. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You think uh, the money's hotter over there? I just think there's uh, there's just something about even though Nick Saban says that doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Of course it doesn't. It's been happening. But that's I I I, I sure I sure as hell hope he, he comes here to to, yeah. to Texas. What makes you uh, so confident? I don't for know. Alabama? I, I I I can't really verbalize what it is. It's just one of those sort of gut things, okay. you know. Let me ask you this: Do you know who the quarterback for Alabama will be in twenty twenty three? No, that I, I I couldn't tell you that. But you know exactly who may be quarterback for Texas Longhorns in twenty twenty three. I do. I do. Certainly. I mean, how is that not enticing? And then you. And then you still have maybe Xavier Worthy as your teammate one more year, and then you got the guys that Arch Manning is recruiting, who the wide receivers that are supposed to hey, be really good. I'm not saying right? it doesn't make sense. They already got a running back in waiting. I'm so. not saying it doesn't make sense at all. I, I just say I, I, for some reason, I got this gut feeling. Okay. Uh, I can't wait. When are they? He's supposed to. Oh, 21st. 21st. So 21st. we'll, yeah, so we'll we got find out about three weeks. All right. About three weeks from now. Do you watch any oh, of that? God, it is September. Yeah, it's already good September, Lord. man. In fact. Technically, I can say I'll be. I'm going to Maine next month. All right. Yeah, yeah I know. We Even though it's you. still more than a month. Guess away. we got to figure out your replacement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll come back. I'll come back to nothing. Yeah. Right. Uh, did you watch any of that West Virginia uh, Pitt game last night? I didn't watch West Virginia Pitt. Uh, I had my Mariners on, so I had to watch that. Did you watch uh, the Penn, I, Penn State Purdue? I 100% watched the last five minutes of the Penn State Purdue game, which I felt like was pretty much the game in, in itself right there. Yeah. That was fun. I uh, it was it was it was just nice to have some college football back on the TV. It was cool even Pitt Stadium was just com- like just completely crowded to the brim. Yeah. Shoulder to shoulder. Everybody was screaming and then they all went silent. <laughs> <laughs> but all you could hear was Gus Johnson screaming. And that's who you need in your national broadcast, my friend. Somebody like that, other than uh, uh, than uh, Al Michaels. I cringe that, at what that, Al. I is actually. you getting at? I pictured in my. I I thought of a way in my head of how Al Michaels would have made that call. That's how pathetic and petty I am. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Al Michaels is living in your head. <laughs> Look, right now. exactly. That, yeah. That's totally fair. But it's also fair that he's. Uh, okay, he doesn't suck. I just don't like. I'm not a fan. He does not suck. He's just. Uh, he's just. Maybe it's you know yeah some some might argue his his uh, goal his 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 prime is past yes. some might argue yes that's that's what I'm getting at. Uh, we got to take a quick break here on the bullpen uh, more on your way a little Cowboys news also uh, a loss in the world of boxing and uh, a little bit more movement on the live golf saga seems like that's never ending and it never will that and more on the way here on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to the bullpen on this Friday afternoon. Kind of a kind of a cloudy here, Friday afternoon. That's okay. Feels like home. You know, I what I what I love on a Friday afternoon because I get up so early for work is sometimes I love when it's just pouring down rain mm-hmm. and I'm done with work. Sometimes I'm done with work. A lot of people are just going on their lunch break, right? Uh 
And then I get home and I get to lie there the rest of the afternoon and just sort of doze off, nap with the rain. No, you don't have to go to work the next day. You That's don't right. have to wake up early. It's the only reason Even I can though I'm sure nap. your yeah. body will wake you up early regardless. Yeah. <laughs> if not that, I, I'm, I've always got to get your up your dog. I always got to give it 3 a.m. to for PB. Yeah. Poor yeah. PB. Yeah. Nah, she's all right. What a routine. Yeah. She'll never realize the, what life is like to sleep in. Although I guess she gets to sleep all day. So Yeah. Well, she also gets to eat. I think she cares if it's 3 a.m. or <laughs> 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. It's food. Uh, so, Good for you, PB. Way yeah. to go. So uh, clinging to a touchdown lead against Pitt, West Virginia football head coach Neil Brown, he elected to send his punter onto the field fourth and one situation. And the Panthers proceeded to take advantage of the opportunity, marching down the field on a seven-play, 92-yard drive, tied the game at 31. Now, during the drive, Mountaineers defensive back Wesley McCormick was ejected for targeting. And didn't uh, sit too well with uh, West Virginia coach Neil Brown. After uh, West Virginia's JT Daniels quest to lead the Mountaineers offense to a pivotal late game touchdown was halted by interception uh, return for touchdown by Panthers MJ Devonshire with a 258 left to play in the fourth quarter. Uh, Brown's earlier decision didn't look favorable for his team. But uh, Daniels and the Mountaineers earned one last chance to potentially force overtime. Daniels tried to connect uh, with Reese Smith on a pass from the 28-yard line that was reviewed and re- uh, ruled no catch. And as a result, the Panthers, Panthers secured a 38-31 victory in the return to the first, uh, first backyard brawl in 11 years. What a name. Backyard, backyard brawl. brawl. Pretty How cool. about that? Now, following the game, Brown uh, shared his frustration with the refereeing with the reporters. He said, don't ask me what targeting is. Don't ask me what a catch is because I don't know. Uh, after these two contentious calls, basically uh, c- contributed there to West Virginia's loss. Yeah. And Pitt's win snapped the Mountaineers' three-game win streak. Intense rivalry gave the Panthers their first victory against uh, West Virginia since 2008. But uh, you hate to see a game targeting called on, calls. A, on, a, on a penalty call, especially one like targeting. But I mean, look, it's hard to play football now because you can't really, you don't really know how to tackle anymore. Because if you use the crown of your helmet, you're going to get called every time, and yep. you could get ejected for it. Yep. So it, it's a bummer that you know a game has to come down to something like that. And I know a million people have argued this, you know, the, these points before. But I mean, at what point do you, do you look at and say, all right, the game, this this is the game you've chosen, this is the life you've chosen. Yeah. You run the risk of severe injury. Yep. Uh, because at what point does the game stop being fluid enough to really be enjoyable? Because you know? it's all about safety, right? And, and so, you so can't do anything. I don't know. Too many penalties. I, I, Obviously, it's not going to chase the fans away, but it just it makes for a less enjoyable experience sure, sure. for and everybody it, involved. And it's harder to sack the quarterback now, too, because of all the rules against that. Like, mm-hmm. if you lead with the crown of your helmet anywhere, even if you got pushed into him, you're going to get called for 15 yards no matter what. Yep. So it's just it's it's a weird time. I mean, you, you could be. I'm you, sure they'll adapt to this eventually, but it's it's still going to take a while. It clearly has taken a while. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could be uh, running around trying to block a punt, and just the, the tip of your finger touches the punter. Oops! And he falls. Yeah, yeah. yeah he can flop. There's no flopping yeah. rules in football. Like yeah. he can flop, and they'll they'll throw that flag immediately because yeah. you can't re- you you can't review that play. So so those are. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's a weird time for sports. I wish uh, for not just football, baseball. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of sports. I just wish would sort of dial back on the. The safety checks a little bit. Yeah, well, and we talked about the ums in baseball that, you know, make things, you know, it's kind of the same thing. You know, a game can come down to a horrible call by by the umpire. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. It often can. So there's a way to fix that, and it sounds like they're working on it. Yeah.
Uh, you been paying attention much to any Cowboys on the offseason, preseason here? Yeah, man. I love the Cowboys. I love everything about them. They're everything the great, about them? They're the greatest team. America's team, baby. Is that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're so convincing, man. <laughs> it's a great liar over there. Uh, well, defensive end Micah Parsons, you know, already risen to become one of the best young defensive players in the league. And listen, he two already weeks, is. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, he's so no good. doubt about it. He is so freaking good. No doubt about it. Less than two weeks before the Cowboys face off against the Bucks in their twenty-two opener, uh, he says he knows exactly who he wants to be entering the second season with the NFL. He's the reigning. Uh, don't forget the uh, defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says he's trying to find himself during his rookie season, or he was trying to find himself during his rookie season. That's so, scary. Uh, <laughs> now he says it's game time. Yep. I found oh boy. myself. I found myself. He says, I don't want to be short, anything short of the number one player in the NFL. It's the type of confidence I have. I want to be the best. I want to be feared. I have to dominate every game. That's legit. I picture LT Yeah, with this guy. Because if that's the mindset he's going to hold on to, I mean, he's we've already seen the talent in a year that he was – quote unquote trying to figure himself out. So now that he knows who he is, I mean, damn. I I mean, <laughs> I, I hope he holds to it. He's uh just stay healthy. The NFL released its final segment of yearly rankings of the best players heading into the season and uh, Parsons was voted as 16th best player. Can I have a can I vent a little frustration for that? Sure. I know it's all the players that decide that list. Sure. But the fact that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were not on that list is criminal. The fact that they're not labeled one of the top 100 players in the NFL right now is sickening because they're both well over a thousand yard double digit uh, touchdowns type players, and they have been, and they weren't on the list. So I'm a little frustrated. You think it's like a popularity contest? Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? But how are they not popular? I know DK made a lot of people upset last year because he did a lot of talking and you know, but they were they they coaxed him into doing that. So I mean, some guys just get more of the spotlight than others, you know, for whatever we'll one see. reason or another. Well, we'll see. I hope this motivates them to help Gino dominate well, the league. I mean, Parsons, <laughs> <laughs> Micah Parsons, though. I mean, he certainly made a statement last season: eighty-four tackles, thirteen sacks, three forced fumbles, uh, twelve of his thirteen sacks in his first thirteen games, and that was the fourth most by uh, an NFL rookie behind only Julius Peppers, Reggie White, and Leslie O'Neill. Yeah. He was just finding himself. Yeah. This is just practice. That was just a practice round. I'd say the man's going to be all right. <laughs> I think I'd so. But I th- hope so. I mean, but, they, but- the other teams might see this and be like, you know, try and get by our three tight ends. Yeah. Uh, and our right tackle. Good luck. That's some big, bold talk to, to, yeah. to keep you, you know. But hey. Look, I would they, rather they have a player like toes, that on you know? my team. Like, you know, that's like Richard Sherman type confidence right there. Yeah. Keep it. Hold on to it because. You know, you project that on the field, and guys feed off that. Yeah. So no, I see nothing wrong with that. And from uh, from from one uh, Texas football team to another, do you, you hear about what the Houston Texans did? Some of the Texans players did recently. I don't know. I hope it was something good. Very cool. Okay, good. They, they traveled out to Uvalde. Oh, and I made a made a special trip out west to uh, support the the community out there. Yeah. Uh, Lovey Smith, head coach, Kamu uh, Grugier Hill, uh, their uh, linebacker, also uh, other linebacker Christian Kirksey. They all traveled out to U Valley. It was a uh, surprise uh, U Valley High School varsity football team. How cool! At a team dinner ahead of their home opener, kicking off tonight, seven p.m. That sounds like something that Levy Smith probably did because yeah. that's just the type of guy he is. Yeah, he he is everything good about humanity and NFL. Yeah, so I have a feeling that he had a big hand in that, and 
I mean, you you have to love that. That's, I, I, that's incredible. It's kind of like when the Astros did something you know similar at, yeah. at Minute Maid Park a few weeks ago. I mean, this was just a just horrific, and the, the whole entire state has just rallied around them, and it's yeah. just fantastic. I love it. Well, so the group spent time talking with the players, you know, lending support to the community. Uh, but it didn't. It didn't just stop there. Uh, the players announced live that the Texans are outfitting the Uvalde Coyotes football team with brand new uniforms this season, uh, with help from Nike. Texans are also going to continue to support the community wearing the Uvalde Strong decal on their helmets, uh, and when they uh, or at least against the Colts in their season over. And I'm not Love sure they're going to do it all season. Uh, I mean, why not? And then uh, you'll have uh, some other Texans legends: uh, Travis Johnson, Kevin Walter, Jonathan Wells. Uh, and some Toro, Texas cheerleaders, they'll be on hand for a special flag uh, in schools clinic, flag football, flag in schools clinic, Univaldi. Mm-hmm. Uh, 300 uh, elementary, middle school students are going to learn techniques to help reinforce uh, football fundamentals and their love of the game. And uh, coaches from Uvalde community are going to be helping out uh, the Texans put on the event. It just sounds like a really cool thing that they're doing. Absolutely. Out there, you know, yeah, absolutely. For a community cool. that absolutely needs they something definitely like needed that. that. Really unfortunate. Uh, also unfortunate, some news out of the out of the world of boxing. As one of the hardest hitters in, in at least of the 1970s era of boxing, okay, uh, has died. Ernie Shavers, uh, sir, and and he had a well earned reputation as as being one of the hardest punchers in all of boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just turned 78 years old, and then uh, he turned 78 on Wednesday, and then died yesterday. Oh man, uh, he. Uh, was really part of the golden era era of heavyweight boxing, mm-hmm. uh, 1970s. Uh, he fought primarily during the 70s, although he he did uh, have a career that I think started back in 1969, ran up through like 95, uh, with a 74, 14, and one record, 68 knockouts in his career. That's pretty good. Yeah, and he fought. Yeah, that's pretty he, good. He fought big names. He fought Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes. In fact, Muhammad Ali said after their fight, he said, "Ernie hit me so hard." Shook my kinfolk in Africa. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he didn't win that fight, though. I'm assuming Ali won. Uh, Ali won the fight. Okay. Ali won the fight in 15. But clearly, he's got mad respect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, George Foreman was was on a late night with David Letterman one time, and Letterman asked him, you know, who his the hardest punchers he thought were, and he said Jerry Cooney, Ron Lyle, and Cleveland Williams. And when Letterman said, "Well, what about Ernie Shavers?" Uh, Foreman was like, I, I never fought Ernie Shavers, thank God. <laughs> uh, oh, but, okay, that is that is major respect right there from two great, two legends. Well, the thing about him, too, is he hit so hard and he wasn't even that big. He was six feet, about 210. If you fought that that size today, they'd tell you to fight cruiserweight. Listen, man, I know guys shorter than me that can punch me and knock me out with their pinky, all right? Like, Size doesn't matter. No. It does not matter. No. It's all about speed. I, I mean, he's he 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 And six guys feet like you say six feet, like that's not short. Six feet either. tall, two ten. And when you think when you think of the, you gain that kind of respect from guys like Ali Informant, Larry Holmes, yeah, not Joe Frazier. Yep. You know, these are all guys that had nothing good to say. They they all feared him in, in his prime. He made a couple of comebacks. Uh, but finally hung up the gloves are good in 1995. That's he was 51 career. years old yeah, when he finished his career. career. Uh, but a uh, hell of a career. His biggest career when, uh, was not, it came in March 23rd, 1979, which is not long before I was born. Uh, he knocked out Ken Norton in the first round in the then Las Vegas Hilton. And Ken Norton oh, was, a, was an absolute beast. In fact, I believe it was Ken Norton. who I believe Ken Norton broke Muhammad Ali's jaw. I believe okay. it was Ken. 
Uh, I trust you. Yeah. Yeah, I believe you. But uh, it, it was first-round knockout there. Uh, also had a win over former heavyweight champion Jimmy Ellis as well as uh, Jimmy Young. So it was just a, it's just a big loss yeah. to the world. Time, As Rocky Balboa once said, uh, time took him out. Time's undefeated. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I've only seen one Rocky movie. I've only seen the original. Yeah, okay, no, that's a lie. Just, I've seen the Creed ones. Well, <laughs> the mean, Creed a, movies. That's a start, but yeah. man. I mean, I've so seen you've bits, only seen I've one seen Rocky? bits and pieces of the other two. And which movies. one did you say you'd seen? The first one. The very first. The very first. One. And did you like it? I did like okay. it. Okay. I mean, Sylvester Stallone, you know, he's not the greatest actor of all time, but Well, that he won an Oscar for that performance as Rocky. I get that. That's one of the that realest. Was a, that, was, that was a long time ago. That that performance by Stallone in in the original Rocky and his performance as John Rambo in the original First Blood at the very at the very end of the movie especially when he's when he's talking it was that real rough moment. Yeah. Uh, to me those are some of the best moments of Stallone's acting. But you got you got to watch Rocky too because things happen, man. I mean, I've seen parts of it. And isn't then, that isn't that where he faces Apollo? No, he fights Apollo twice. Actually, three times technically. Okay. Well, third but, times not seen. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, but yeah, man. Yeah. Are you just a big Sly Stallone fan? No, I'm a big Rocky <laughs> fan. I was gonna say, you know, he's got a new movie out. Although I, yeah, he's like a superhero. Is that or something. New, is Samaritan superhero? Yeah, something like that. I don't know about that. I don't know. Okay, he actually kind of looks not bad. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to watch it. No, I'm not going to. Good. I'm okay. not going to. Well, they're making Creed 3 right now. How about that? I might watch that, but I'm still trying to figure out what, I mean, is it worth doing? It was such a perfect ending, I thought, to the, you know, Rocky handing off the spotlight to Adonis Creed at the end of the second fight there. Mm-hmm. Who else is he going to fight now? Clever? Well, you haven't seen, so you wouldn't know Clever Lang's kid, but that's Mr. T's kid. I know Dolph Lundgren. That's if he dies, he dies. But that's who we fought in. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, so uh, coming up here on the bullpen, minor league baseball yes. is testing out some. Uh, I don't know, sort of a hybrid, not mm-hmm. quite the full robot ump, but a little something like it. Look, and uh, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily dislike it, but I, I'm not sure if I like it. Yeah, I need to see highlights of it, but I have seen them. Uh, they played with the extended second base. Yeah. Which I really like to the extended yeah. first base as well, to make that bigger. So they're they're definitely testing some things, and I think they're I hopefully eventually they'll get to the major leagues. The only thing I'm worried about is the pitching, uh, the pitch count or the yeah. pitch timer, yeah, because that leaves them no time at all. But we're yeah. talking about a a new ball strike challenge system, and we'll have more on that on the way coming up here on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 102.7 ESPN. Welcome back to the Friday edition of the bullpen here on ESPN 1027, 1027 ESPN. That is 1027 ESPN us. Uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of these these new changes that they're uh, t- tinkering around with in the minor leagues, and I- I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. Now, I do know, before we get into this, I do know how I feel about robot umps. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. I understand. You're not a fan? No. No, ooh, okay. no I- I'm not. Uh, as much as I... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to make the argument that errors, umpire error, is a part of the game, and yet mm-hmm. for some reason, that's kind of the argument that I, I find myself making. Which I, when I say it out loud, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe I'm just too nostalgic for the old game, but there's something about the lack of that human error in the game that 
for some odd reason, I, I just can't let go of. Let me ask you this. Were you a fan of the neighborhood rule? Uh, meaning what? So for a long time, when there was a double play uh, about to happen, your foot didn't always have to touch second. It just had to be in the neighborhood of second base, and the umpire would call an out. Call it an out. Oh, yeah, okay. So that was a thing that went on for a very long time. And there's right. some very famous calls, some famous double plays that you can go look back on where dude is probably five foot from the base and, and throws the first, and they call they still call the guy out. And you can't replay it All because, right. you know. Well, you're talking about, uh, yeah, okay. I, I think I'm talking more about like home plate. I'm just, well, I'm just, like I'm, balls I'm, I'm talking about your, I'm, I'm, I only bring that up as you bring up nostalgia, you know. No, that's fair enough. Pining for the old ways. <laughs> pining for the old. No, I did not. I do not like that. Okay. I, I I did not like that. No. So, I the only reason why I disagree with you on this is because do you on Twitter do you follow the umpire scores uh, scorecard? Uh, I I don't. You so. if you did, you'd probably have a different a different opinion because they're really bad and they're getting worse every year. And you you talk about guys Angel Hernandez, CB Buckner. They won't have an opportunity to call balls and strikes anymore. No, they'll just be in the outfield calling outs. Yeah, right. And even then, it's still a crapshoot. But at least you have replay for that. You can't replay balls and strikes with this. You have an official system that actually knows what it's doing and can get it get it called correctly. My only fear is if we're still relying on a robot. What if robot dies? Then what are you gonna do? You'd have to bring it up probably back there to call the rest of the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know if you even lose that, you know, that sort of. I would old be okay with, with with robot, pretty much anywhere except calling balls and strikes. I think that's where my I think that's where my 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 pining for the uh, human error comes in. See, but a lot of that isn't human error. A lot of that is giving leniency to the batter because depending on their well, talent so. level or or what level they are in the sport. Can I give you an an example? Julio Rodriguez. Right, he's tearing the league up. His first month, he barely hit over a hundred because umpires were calling strike threes well out of the zone, right? And they were doing it on a consistent basis to the point where the team actually complained to the league about it. And look what happened: they they stopped doing that, and dudes on a on a roll. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that can really affect you. That that affects people's careers when you call you know when you call them out. What if this guy only has one plate appearance? He wants a full, fair advantage up there, not not the ump having the mentality, well, this guy hasn't been in the league very long, so I'm not going to give him much to go after here. It's a thing. That is a t- real thing that sure happens in this sport. Sure it is. And I'm tired of that. I'm just so – like you can take all your, your old-school mentality to the outfield. But there's all, there's also balls the, and strikes. There's also the, the, I mean, the issue that, you know, each, each ump kind of has his own strike zone, so to speak. Right. Right, which – is again I like not legit. I know, but I've always kind of liked that because I mean, you know, you know from night to night as a pitcher, as a manager, who's going to be behind home plate. So mm-hmm. you you have a, a general idea of what that strike zone typically is going to look like. I get what you're saying. Um, but to me it just adds a little bit of extra spice to the game that, sure. that robots would take away. Look, if we're talking 10 years ago, yeah, I'd I'd be the same thing. But I just feel like we're in a different age and we're in a different era of the we sport. We certainly are in we're, that. We're progressing into a different era for baseball, which I feel is going to help them regardless of, you know, guys losing jobs because of it. Some of them weren't very good in the first place. So I don't know. I... I 
I'm I'm ready for it. I know I, I, I totally understand your side of it. I get it. I do like some of the old school nostalgia of baseball, but I feel like it, at this point it's adapter die. Well, certainly when you say when you, you say it out loud, I mean obviously what you're saying makes far more sense than what I'm saying. It <laughs> but does again. I, it absolutely does. You have your old school thing, but I just I, I just have that thing that yeah. that it's like this uh, in the back of my head. It's just I, that the umps getting pissed off at an ump. Yeah, you know. And we also kind of grew up in a different era of the game. You were more of the '80s era, and I was more of the '90s era. When the '90s era was more, you know, juice it up and and right. shoot it out of there. So right in '80s, it was kind of more legit. Guys were. You know, still tall, skinny, and lengthy, and could p- play baseball. It wasn't these big, muscular guys. Way better mullets and mustaches. Exactly. Back in the and 80s everybody too, had powder blue uniforms, yeah. and yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the minor leagues obviously is, is sort of the uh, the launch pad for some of these new yeah. these new changes, and they're testing out right now a ball strike challenge system in the minors. Uh, and here's how the system's designed. So uh, in the challenge system, the, the home plate ump calls balls and strikes just like any other game. Uh, teams could appeal to the Hawkeye robot ump on certain calls that they deem to be incorrect, <laughs> and that's what it's called, the Hawkeye robot ump. Hearing this out loud now makes it sound weird. It's kind of goofy, <laughs> right? Uh, each club starts a game with three challenges, right? A correct challenge, you keep your three challenges. Incorrect challenge, you lose one. So like any other challenge in any other sport. Uh, challenges out can't be they can't come out of the dugout so no matter what uh, no matter what a manager thinks he can't he can't challenge that okay batter can okay catcher can i, I kind of like pitcher that. can yeah that's it I, I like that catcher batter pitcher i do like that yeah absolutely i do like that because it's not like the the managers don't even have that great of view anyway they right. can only see the side of it like right. Or, and part of the – they don't know where it is on – you know, exactly. So I like that. And then the challenge would have to be made immediately to the ump. Yeah. Immediately. So uh, to that degree, right, I I think uh, I, I, I could get behind that, you know, based on what I said earlier about, yeah. you know, my – Okay, wait a minute. So let me get this straight. There is still someone behind home plate calling, calling balls, balls and, strikes, and strikes, yeah. But you can challenge that to a robot hawk – I, the Hawkeye robot. Hawkeye robot mm-hmm. that has its own strike zone, the official strike zone. Correct. And that's what it follows. That's correct. Interesting. Now, uh, how ta- do we know, you know, where where's their borderline? I wonder, I wonder do, is that programmed in? Do they program in, like, the borderline calls? I would think so. Just well, as long as the ball hits the line, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, okay. that's 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 a strike. Paint it black. Paint it black, exactly. Now, from what I understand, this has already been implemented here uh, in Round Rock at Dell Diamond. Oh, from from what I've been told, okay. Uh, the, it, earlier this week, I think Tuesday, uh, some people had mentioned that they'd seen that there, and I I, I was looking at uh, you know, just kind of uh, uh, there was a uh, this article here at uh, the Bleed Cubby Blue. <laughs> Oh, which is God. really unfortunate okay. to to have found an article about this. But uh, a guy had actually gone to uh, one of these minor league games, and uh, Sugarland Astros okay. yeah. Astros team yeah. uh, was, was part of this. But said there were a lot of challenges. Didn't slow the game down at all. Sugarland won in an eight six game. Twenty one hits, thirteen walks. Uh, even with all the challenges, it only ran three hours and twelve minutes long. And there were. Uh, I can't remember. I'm trying to find the the exact number, but there were quite a few challenges. Uh, I think they used all of them. Both teams used all their challenges. Okay, so that potentially six in total. And he said that still the game, even with the challenges and everything, went still went three minutes and twelve seconds. 
shorter than games that I even prefer. Yeah. You know? I, I like a good four-plus-hour game, personally. I mean, yeah. Well, you're probably used to them with the Boston and Yankees. Like, yeah. you can count on them yeah. being a four- to five-hour game. So I could I could get behind this. The implementation of something that. like this, I actually like. Yeah. And I think that that is actually probably one of the greatest middle grounds we could find between what you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier and what I was talking about earlier. Sure. Because, you know, me being stuck in my old-fashioned ways and you understanding, the recognizing the value of the new age ways. Yeah. Not that I don't recognize the value of it, but uh, yeah. I, I think this is a good common middle ground. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing more of that even in the majors. And it's funny, you you bring that up, and I didn't really get to read this article, but I honestly, like, I hadn't even thought of that as an option. It would totally make I, I feel like that makes a whole, a whole lot more sense because, I mean, maybe three is a little low on the challenges, but at the same time, you also don't want to challenge the entire game. Yeah. And it usually doesn't happen too often, and if... If the ump knows that he has somebody watching him, then he's probably going to be more on his game. Yeah, he wants to be accountable, and he wants that scorecard to be in the 90th percentile. I think you'd probably see uh, a guy like Angel Hernandez. You know, both teams would probably blow through all three of their challenges. Most after, likely. You know, yeah. within like the then, third inning. Then the ejections start coming. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, now, now his feelings are hurt. Oh, my and God. He, and he's For, taking oh, it personally. God, get rid of that guy. Never seen that guy oh ever my get his feelings God. hurt. He's a, he's a model ump. Such a wuss. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about. That's uh, how you know you're bad when you get frustrated because you know your call is going to get overturned. Mm. So you slam your headset down. Like, headset what down. a great look in front of 20,000 people. And you've and you've cost yourself a spot uh, on the, on a World Series, probably crew. more than once. Probably more than once, for but at guy, least they say at least an eighteen. We know that happened. Yeah, for a guy who's been in the league this long, he should be a shoe in every year. Should be, but he's been he there should, since nineteen ninety three. Exactly, but he's not because he's trash and he's a clown. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to I don't like to talk about people that way, but. The fact that he knows he's this bad and he doesn't change. Well, we're not talking problem. about the man on any kind of personal level. No, just we're his talking job. about his job. And as as an his umpire, his job is in the spotlight. He's trash, right? Yeah. yeah he's so that's, that's a fair comment. Nothing to comment. Nothing to apologize for there. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about uh, some some record, uh, you know, guys on record pace for this Aaron Judge on, uh, you know, possibly on on uh, on pace to break the Yankees all time uh, home run record. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Shohei Otani breaking records and whatnot. But one of the most one of the rarest things in all of baseball. Uh, for another year, we've got a guy chasing the triple crown. I love it. And Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, what a good guy, too. Yeah, I I, it really Paul couldn't Goldschmidt. happen to a lot. Of, but do you? Th- so look at the numbers that he has right now. All right, so he's batting three thirty two, which that's wow. first in the National League. <laughs> Holy crap! Uh, ahead of Freddie Freeman, who's batting three twenty five. He's got thirty three homers. What were the Braves thinking, letting him go? I Can know. I just stop you real quick and ask that question? It, I mean, it's they, it's they weren't. Uh, or maybe that is probably the best. What answer. are you doing? They weren't. And he wanted to stay. Too. It's just so stupid. Another good guy. Yeah, Freddie exactly. Freddie Freeman's funny. A hilarious. I mean, they, he's a Cali a guy. Up. Yeah, he's a Cali guy. So good for him for doing that. But man, he wanted to be a brave his whole career. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's uh, so batting three thirty two, which is first in the National League. Thirty three homers. That's second in the National League behind Kyle Schwarber's thirty six. Right, and then he's tied with Pete Alonso with one hundred and five ribbies. Ooh. So that's going to be a tough that's one. What I was, that's going to be fun down the stretch. Now, last year, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he, you know, it was a similar situation for him. I, I really, really, really would like to see this because the last time we saw anybody win a Triple Crown was 2012 when Miguel Cabrera won it. Right. 
Before that, it had been 1967 when Yaz won it for the Red Sox. And that, is, uh, that is quite the gap. This is one of the one of the <laughs> rarest things in all of baseball. Oh my goodness. Uh, so well, don't tell that to people in the in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. There. Yeah. Because there were, I mean, they there are a lot in that era. There's only been 12 Triple Crown seasons in the AL or NL in the last century, and Miguel Cabrera was the last guy to do it a decade That's ago. That's crazy. Yeah. So, do you think? Look at those numbers. First in batting average, second in home runs, and tied for first for RBI. I wish I had. Uh, I wish I had their schedule in front of me to see who they're playing. But, I mean, look, the fact that you're tied, you're. you're you're basically you're only needing one away as long as you as long as you keep hitting home if you're going to hit home runs to pass Schwarber you're going to get the RBIs. I don't I don't see any issue yeah. with that. So yeah. if he can get on a tear with the home runs, the RBIs will follow behind, will follow with it basically. So I absolutely think he can do it. I mean he's he's a great player. He's they're playoff bound and that's another thing that could be interesting because what if the co- what if the manager sits him more games because they're already going to the postseason. Yeah. So he doesn't give them a chance. But maybe they understand what's happening here and they want to keep playing. This is an exciting thing to watch yeah. no matter what. I will definitely keep an eye on that. No matter what. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled on the Cardinals. Like them or hate them. This is an exciting thing that doesn't come along very often. Well, I, well we saw it, we saw Vlad Jr. almost get it last year. Almost. It didn't quite get it there. Yeah. But uh, it was exciting nevertheless. It was fun to watch the watch it happen, watch exciting. it unfold. And if you watch and, and and if you're watching it happen, you just watched history, my friend. Uh, we have still more on the way here on the bullpen. Uh, some former PGA Tour players now with Live have their membership revoked for next season. Interesting. And uh, Phil Mickelson has discussed a little of the PGA's response to Live. That and more coming up on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to the final edition of the bullpen here on this Friday afternoon, 1027 ESPN. He's Brandon Elkins, and I'm Patrick Osborne. And once again, it's been our grand pleasure to hang out with you today. That's right. Yeah. It is Friday. And you know what else uh, it is? Day before uh, kickoff Longhorn football. Well, yeah, I guess that too. Uh, it also is the uh, fifth day. Since we had our act, our lightning strike, it is. We almost went a whole show without it. I had to bring it up. You almost forgot. It's actually not the fifth. It it happened more than a week ago. Was that more than a week ago? It was a week. It happened a week ago Monday. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, then I've yeah. clearly lost track of the yeah. days. I don't know what day it is. But anymore. you're right. You're right. I did almost uh, break my word. Yeah, we and did have a lightning strike in this building recently, which is why we're in the studio. Have you heard about that lightning strike? I heard about it. Some of us. I was there, man. I was. There, I saw it. Sounds like it was crazy, man. It was absolutely loud, popping, smoking yeah, studio. I did, I did not enjoy that. I'm glad I was not there. <laughs> uh, so we were, we were talking a little baseball before the break, and something pretty funny happened last night, uh, and over in the Braves, mm-hmm. Braves territory. Uh, we talking the Strider stash, the Strider stash, nice. which truly one of the best. It really is one of the best stashes in baseball right now. I love how the Braves have kind of leaned into it too by having a Strider stash night, and everybody got a little fake mustache. It's a great it. mustache. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't Especially know if, for a rookie. I don't know if it's on par with guys like Catfish Hunter or Dennis Eckersley, but it's don't forget it's close. Goose, Goose Gossage, the Goose Gossage, Goose Gossage. And I remember when he played for the Mariners. When uh, my dad and I would go to games, anytime he would come, come to uh, in re- come in in relief, we'd hear Goose. 
My dad loved doing that. Yeah, it was kind of like when I was a kid too. Uh, same similar thing. Uh, Jose Cruz, uh-huh. the Astros in the dome, and everybody used to go Cruz. Yep. And when I was a kid, I thought everybody was booing him, and I never understood why. <laughs> I always felt bad for Jose Cruz. And my dad was like, "No, no, no, we're not, not the way it works. Boo. We're saying movers." But yes, we're talking about rookie right-hander uh, Spencer Strider. He recorded 16 strikeouts yesterday over eight innings, 3-0 win over the Rockies. Um, most ever by uh, an Atlanta Brave. It was the most by any Braves pitcher in a nine-inning game since the mound was moved to its current distance in 1980, or I mean, sorry, in 1883. Uh, mixing precisely located high 90s fastballs, exploding sliders. Uh, he did something no Brave had done in the modern day. Not Greg Maddox, not John Smoltz, not Tom Glavin. Whoa. Yeah. Not Warren, not Warren Spahn. On 106 pitches. Yeah. 106 pitches. Yeah. Was that a was it a full was it a full game or how many innings did he go? Does it say? He he did over eight innings. It, wow. Now Warren Spawn did strike out eighteen guys over fifteen innings back mm-hmm. in nineteen fifty two, but that was with you know fifteen innings. Right. Uh. So, but but here's the best part about this is Strider had no idea. What? This is the best quote right here. He didn't know. I lost track after five. <laughs> What are you talking about? There's, there's literally like a pitch tracker anywhere you look in a stadium. Yeah. How do you not notice that? That's what you man. call being in the zone, No man. kidding. Wow. Like, uh, yeah, Good for him. No idea. Yeah, he said, uh, I came out of the game, and uh, Kyle Wright was telling me something about John Smoltz or whatever, and I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I love man. it. That's hilarious. 17th uh, career major league start. He throws 16 strikeouts. That's awesome. That's pretty great. Well, I hope we don't have to face him when we face the Braves later this also, month. Also, uh, looking here, uh, most in the big league since Walker Bueller struck out 16 Rockies on uh, the, uh, June 20th of uh, 2019. So. It's also been a, a what's his few name years. who threw twenty uh, pitch uh, twenty strikeouts was it Kerry uh, Kerry Wood against Kerry the Wood, Astros yeah. oh sorry nineteen ninety eight whoops yeah no I haven't forgotten <laughs> about that one that's okay the Mariners have a twenty strikeout game Look too against uh, John uh, uh, Roger Clemens that's so. right ouch that's right Kerry Wood Kerry Wood was nasty though yeah. I mean he uh, that yeah that was that was a frustrating game to watch as an Astros game frustrating career but for that man as well yeah, it was it was unfortunately. Uh, so <clears throat> some former live, uh, former PGA tour players. Speaking of frustrated. Yeah. Now with live, <laughs> they've, uh, they had memberships revoked for next season. Uh, they, uh, had been suspended indefinitely by the PGA tour, had their memberships revoked for next season, which begins in two weeks. Uh, letters were sent out to players like Phil Mickelson and Pat Perez, all of the PGA tour, uh, players who had not resigned their membership. Okay. Uh, when first playing the live golf and in invitational series tournaments, I was wondering about that. Yeah. Uh, Mickelson has said previously that uh, he believed his lifetime membership due to having won a minimum of 20 tournaments was earned and they sh- he shouldn't have to relinquish it. I, <laughs> I I think that you could throw around great numbers like that all sure, you want, man. Sure. Rules is rules, yeah. Chief. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, Although there is no rule probably in the lifetime membership that says well, you can't leave to go to another, another league because that's there was fair. no I, such thing. That's fair. But – Obviously, the PGA is going to make make sure that it gets its way at least, at least right now. Man, um, if they could just like interlock fingers, just even a little bit, just to get just to get along a little bit, it, it would be it, nice. It would do wonders. It would for be golf. nice. Uh, but here's what uh, Kristen Burgess, uh, the tour's vice president uh, of, of uh, competition administration, had to say. That's a- uh, the terms of your contractual commitments to live golf prohibit you from satisfying the material obligations set forth in the regulations 
and make clear that you have no intention to and indeed cannot comply with these requirements of membership in the PGA Tour. That sounds made up. That sounds like they just wrote that down real quick. A lot of words. Yeah. A lot of just, uh, yeah, there, How could there be something in the rule of, cha- of of not being allowed to change leagues when there wasn't any other league at the time? I mean, they're finding a way, obviously. They're, they're, they're going to stonewall. I, I, who knows? Who knows? This, I mean, this could lead to a courtroom drama. Well, they already tried, didn't they? And, yeah. And the court ruled against them. But that's not to say that uh, they can't they can't take another avenue, sure, uh, to find a, find a way to ram that through. Was you're talking about that antitrust lawsuit filed against the PGA? Yeah, yeah. I need to call Saul Goodman. Yeah, uh, actually, <laughs> uh, let's see. So, uh, as part of the lawsuit, it was learned that the players who have been indefinitely suspended and played in live golf events uh, have seen the suspension stretch into 2024. So, I mean, they're, they're PGA series here, man. They're they're not budging. Oh, I know. I, I, that, but that's the problem. They're not budging. They're not. They're not helping. At all, and I guess they, it's not their right to have to help, but the the fact that they're losing their best players should be a little eye opening for them, and maybe realize maybe we should open our minds just a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just gonna keep losing our players until we're not gonna have we're only gonna have a few legacy players left because all everyone else went to live because they're getting paid. I mean, there there looks like there's some big big uh, big purses over there in the- yeah. I, not, I don't not, blame the guys. That's for not even it. the sign. That doesn't even count the signing bonus. It's just at some point you're going to have to make a decision. You know, like are you are you going to want to just be satisfied with the decision that you've made to stay there or to go over there and live? Yeah. Or are you just going to hang out with the old crew, the old guard over in the PGA? You got to make a choice because obviously we know the two aren't going to be getting along for a while. Either way, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining uh, down the road. Their bank accounts certainly aren't going to be suffering no matter mm-hmm. where they where they go. But but Liv certainly is is coughing up a lot of money in hopes of trying to lure as many people over, and they have. So you got to wonder though, how many of those guys, you know, kind of like had a, had immediate buyer's remorse when they when they decided they were going to do it. How? You get a you get a better schedule. I you mean, get yeah. to go to different. You get to go to different parts of this of this world. Uh, the purses are higher, and you got at least a what, ten or eleven figure signing bonus. Well, and you get to spend more time with your family, which is what every single one of these guys keeps saying. Financially, so, I don't think anybody's. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody had any remorse the only on thing that. that. Yeah, the only thing they're missing is their world rankings. Well, I think that's what I, I part of what I'm getting at the world rankings and, and all of the all of the events that have been a part of their careers for so many years that now they they're they're blackballed from. I mean, they, they're blackballed from competition. That doesn't mean they can't go play it on their own time. Well, sure. In a non-competitive environment, but playing it in their own time in a non-competitive environment wouldn't help their world rankings either. Well, look, they could do that whenever they want because they have weeks or months in between uh, matches, so they could go have a friendly competition with their buddies. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't see a downside. I just I cannot see a downside to this. You know, besides who runs it, just just because that's the stigma of this of this you know this league. But I just I can't see the downside in going there. I really can't, and maybe that's just me. But from everything that I just said there, that would be everything enticing. That would be an enticement enough for me to go. You wouldn't have I, to ask I, me I, twice. Yeah, exactly. There's no, right? No, like, no, yeah, no question about it. Wh- where would you find your buyer's remorse there, right? Uh, the, the only, the only I, again, and maybe it's because I, I, I am very much a nostalgic man. I, mm-hmm. I may make the decision to go knowing that I could never go back through that door and – that I think therein would lie my oh man did I make the right call sure I'm already rich coming off the PGA sure. tour I'm not yeah. worried I mean yeah you but know now this, you're uber this rich. extra padding from live is great but 
I wasn't living in a one-bedroom apartment with the roaches, you know, prior to going to live. Right, but you also weren't living at home that much either. No. You were on the road yeah. all the time. And we got a we got a live event started today, I believe. So in right Boston. in Boston. In Boston. So that that yeah, maybe I should exciting. fire up YouTube Tune and up check YouTube it out and check that out for sure. You reminded me, so now I can go watch it. Now you know. <laughs> See, and therein lies the one issue I have with live. I would like on, to be able to turn on, on the, the TV yeah, and, exactly. and just check it out sometime. Well, because and not everyone has, and you can do that with smart TVs, but not everyone has smart TVs right. capable of doing that. It's kind of like the the issue that we talked about yesterday with with the NFL and their their Amazon streaming mm-hmm. uh, of uh, the, the what was it, the Texans Forty ers game, and they they pulled down pretty abysmal numbers. Yeah, ouch. Keeping in mind too that it it was preseason. Yeah, uh, but and not the two most exciting teams to watch no, either. But those are also numbers factored into the local on air or over air broadcast in in the markets in Houston and San Francisco as well as Amazon streaming. So I think the numbers showed, I think Amazon was just a, just above like 560,000, they, they estimated. Ouch. And again, uh, you know, they can't market themselves a little bit better. Liv's going to have to find a way to market itself a little bit better, too, because YouTube yep. just is not going to cut it. No, I, I can't. I can't find it's myself It's a good start. There. I get it. I get what they were trying to do. I'm sure it's working for quite a few people because I haven't heard any. I haven't heard any complaints about the numbers, but I also haven't heard anything about the numbers. So... I'm, well, I, and I, that just could just be us complaining about it, but yeah, well, that's going to do it for us this week on the bullpen. Thanks so much for joining us, Brandon. You have yourself a fantastic hey, weekend, you man. Hey, you too, my friend. Y'all take care. We'll see you on uh, Tuesday. See ya. No, Monday. 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 Yeah, we'll see you Monday. Bye.